Welcome to the Mile 99 interview series with your hosts, Greg Larkin, Mike Turner, and Jessica Harris. Enjoy this episode, and we'll hope to see you on the trails soon. Welcome, everybody, to the Mile 99 interview series. My name is Greg Larkin. I'm one of the co-hosts of uh, this series of interviews. And it's our 25th episode. Uh, we started this back in May of 2020. I can now say 2020 uh, since it's 2021. And uh, we talked to different athletes uh, from our community and from around you know the country at this point. Um, every week, week or two, it depends, and depending on our schedule. And we like to just talk to them and kind of find out what makes them tick, uh, get some stories, uh, you know, from them, whether it's racing or training, uh, find out some of the, the fun events that they've done over, over the years and, and kind of like typically find out if they're a runner, like how they got into the sport and just kind of dig in and, and just uh, get some information about them and, and hopefully learn something along the way, get some tips that we might be able to use uh, and, and just have some fun. So that's the whole point. Uh, some of the points that we, uh, that we like to cover. And, uh, every time we get on, we record in front of a live zoom audience. Uh, we don't have any, um, additional takes. There's no breaks, there's no cuts. And, uh, unlike the trails, what we say here is on the record. So, uh, so as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jessica Harris and Mike Turner. Jessica, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Um, I got a little cross training in uh, right before my run this evening. I dropped my keys in my trash can. So <laughs> I had to go trash can diving before my run today. So. All right. Well, that's that's a little different. I did some cross training on the indoor bike, but uh, yeah, I didn't have to get into the trash can. So. <laughs> It's called raccoon training. There you so. go. <laughs> I think we're going to have to cover that in some future uh, <laughs> training specific episode or something like that. And Mike Turner, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. I'm uh, back to work, back to a lot of work, which is exciting, but also running again, starting to train for the spring. Some hopefully we got races this year. Uh, you know, so Greg was saying, you know, we, we started this last year when COVID first began and the first lockdowns were started. And I think it was a way to kind of feel normal, have something that was normal. I think today is a good day. We all need something normal today. So we, you know, it's, it's important for us just to hang out and talk about stuff we love. But so we started this, you know, like Greg was saying, you know, that we looked in our local community to find people that inspired us. So we started chatting with them on, on this program to be inspired and motivated and listen to their stories. And uh, it's been really great. And uh, of course, Jessica's here, like we talked about, she's uh, tracking the interactive portion of this here. We're live on Facebook. So also live, obviously the Zoom, there's a chat window. Uh, she'll be taking questions there. So if you have questions, try to get them on the chat window in Zoom uh, as opposed to Facebook. It's easier for her to kind of gather them up. Towards the end, we'll have some live questions and uh, and go from there. One thing we want to give a shout out to some friends of ours, Monsters of Massage in Newcastle. We love those guys. We love Alois. They keep us flexible and they keep the demons out. And so they are still working and they're like all small businesses. You know, they need our support. So reach out to those guys and, uh, and uh, make a visit down there. Greg? 
Thank you, Mike. Uh, so tonight, our guest is Katie Grossman. Uh, she is an accomplished professional ultra runner. Uh, she has tackled some of the toughest, most mountainous races out there, um, including Hard Rock, and I believe we'll be returning to Hard Rock this year, which we definitely want to talk about. Uh, she's done the Bishop High Sierra race, uh, Run the Rut. Um, she's a silver buckle holder at Western States and uh, many other um, races. Uh, she's also a writer. Uh, we want to dig in a little bit into like what she does uh, career-wise. Uh, she's a mother. She's currently in her 31st uh, week of pregnancy as well with another um, child on the way and, you know, has, has experienced some injuries along the way and, and is sort of like um, working her way back to, uh, to running. Uh, and so we want to find out about that, what that journey has been like. And uh, ultimately, you know, she's really built a life too with her husband, Dominic, and her children around the mountains and trail running. Uh, so I'd love to kind of like hear about that trajectory along the way here as well. Uh, so welcome, Katie. It's really uh, nice to have you on the show tonight. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, one of the things we like to do, I think, uh, is just kind of start out and, and kind of get a little feel for your early life, um, you know, and, and as, as you are a, uh, you know, an ultra, ultra runner, a professional runner, um, sponsored and all that is, is kind of like find out, like, what was the genesis of, you know, getting into the sport? Sure. So I live in like the mountains in California now, but I grew up in um, St. Charles, Missouri, which is like a suburb of St. Louis. Um, so no, no mountains there. Um, but I think I, like a lot of other runners had uh, a childhood of like, I played every sport imaginable. I was really into soccer, basketball, swim team. Um, I also was really big into, uh, dancing as well. Like, so that was most of my weekends. I was like in sequins and makeup and then go like leaving the award ceremony to go to <laughs> some sort of, um, like game of who knows what, <laughs> whatever season it ended up being. So I I started doing that, but my dad, um, he never like ran professionally or anything, but he was, uh, my dad was actually pretty quick and he was really into like the local, like 5k, 10k scene. Um, so I just remember going to like races to watch him all the time. And one time I was just like, can I do it? And he was like, yeah, sure. I, I don't care. Like, <laughs> you really think that you can. And it was actually a funny story. I was in fourth or fifth grade, I believe. And he, I think he thought I would just like go out too fast and it would, it would be awful. And instead um, I ended up getting like third place overall. And so they gave me a medal and everything. It was like this race in the like little downtown area. And I was actually stripped of my very first medal because another woman complained that I wasn't old enough to have been in the race. So my very first racing experience, I was stripped of my, oh, I know that's harsh, <laughs> but yeah, from there, I just, I kind of just ran for fun to, um, I, it was just something to do with my dad. I thought my dad was super cool. He is super cool, but, uh, I loved just going and doing the races with him and getting a little $5 t-shirt. And then we usually got to get donuts afterwards. <laughs> so it was super fun. And then, um, it finally came down to in high school, I was trying to decide which sports to play. Cause I like played everything. And, um, I, I didn't, I wasn't really like into softball that much, which was the fall sport. So I decided to go ahead and do cross country 
and ended up being pretty good at it. And so they were all trying to convince me to do track instead of soccer. And I, I really only made the decision because our soccer team wasn't very good and I was super competitive. So I was like, oh, well, I'll go ahead and do track. And then it was just like, I loved track so much. I actually weirdly hated cross country. It was too far. Um, I was a 400 and 800 meter runner and anything longer than that, I absolutely despised. Um, so it's very funny that I ended up <laughs> running ultras of all things, but I don't know, here I am. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, like our guest last week, um, Jocelyn Watson, I mean, she had a similar story, you know, very much in the track and cross country and yeah. then just got out of that and I was like, Oh, I got to get on the trails, you know? So, and Jessica, I mean, I think you've had a similar situation as well. So it sounds like, yeah, um, an interesting transition. Um, you know, younger people may not really know what ultras are, and then they're just kind of put in yeah. with regular sports in school, and then it takes a while to find it find it afterwards. Yeah, I had never heard of one. Um, it wasn't until way later because I actually I decided to be on a dance team in college instead of <laughs> instead of running. That was a last minute decision too. I was kind of trying to decide between the two and. I don't know, just at some point my senior year, I decided I wanted to pursue the dance thing, which I don't regret at all. Like all those girls are still some of my best friends and really good memories. Like um, our team was really good. We were national champions. So I love telling I was like, oh yeah, I was national champion as a dancer, yeah. <laughs> not as a runner. Right. What style <laughs> um, of dance was that? Well, I like I grew up doing like the classic stuff that everybody puts their, their kids in like, uh, you know, tap jazz ballet. Um, I did some acrobatics too. It was <laughs> not the gymnastics, like on all the like bars and stuff. It was just all floor stuff. Um, and so like dance team in college ends up kind of being a combination of just all that, not tap, but, <laughs> um, it just kind of ends up being a, a hodgepodge of the styles because um, most people are trained the same way. So, yeah. So it wasn't really until after that, my senior year, I decided I wanted to get back into running. And I was like, I think I'm just going to train for a marathon because I'll probably be terrible at it. So I'll have no competitive aspirations at all. And I, so I did, and I was terrible at it, but then I really enjoyed it because I was just like, there was no pressure. And I think, I don't know. I just, I suffer. I've heard the same story from so many people of just like discovering that they got really good at it. And then it became like, not fun anymore for me. And I can honestly say that I've never like it ultra running now has never come to that for me. Like the longer distances, I just, I get so much out of just finishing them that even if I don't have a good race, I like, I don't know. I don't ever be like, I'm quitting. I'm never running again. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you, you always have that kind of, uh, at least in a lot of cases, um, some nice scenery to look at <laughs> or something, yeah, exactly. you know? Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's some enjoyment out there, I think. Um, I mean, I've never actually raced on the road really. I mean, maybe I did a 5k once or something like that. I've never done any long distance. So I can't even speak to what that would be like and how it would, how it would be different. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, at least from what I've heard from people saying, I mean, it's a very competitive on the road too. And, and there's just like a very intense scene. It seems like, um, not that ultra running can't be that, but there's also, I don't know, it just, it feel, it seems like it feels different even 
I'm only like gathering people's other people's experiences from the road side of things. Although yeah. I can say like mountain biking versus road cycling, which I've done in the past, like racing both, maybe there's a little bit of a similar type of field of those as road and, and uh, ultra running or trail running would be. Is that something like that you've noticed um, just mental, you know, the mentality, I guess, of those two disciplines? I think not for me, because once I started doing like even I ran road marathons for a while when like I ran one in college and then I moved to L.A. for work uh, right after I graduated. And I just started training for marathons because I was young and lived in L.A. and I was broke and I had no friends. And I was like, oh, this will be like something to do. And so it was just that was the small like road period of my life. Cause as soon as I found trails, like I w I was actually starting to do a lot of my um, training, like on this, in the Santa Monica mountains and stuff. Uh, like I lived in the Santa Monica area. And at some point it just occurred to me, I'm like, I enjoy running in the mountains and the training so much more than the actual race part mm -hmm. of it. Um, maybe I should see if there's a thing such thing as a trail race. And there was, and that's the first time I had ever even heard of an ultra too. Mm. When I Googled it, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. That's what, <laughs> what people are doing. And I was like, ah, maybe someday. And then by the next year I was already <laughs> signed up for my first 50 days. So. <laughs> and so that was like, I think around 2008. And it seems like there was like a little bit of a story there about uh, training with somebody and. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Some, some trickery going on. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Uh, so I was working again because I lived in LA and I was broke. Like I had a full time job, uh, like at an ad agency. Then I also was like, uh, teaching classes at a gold gym. I was teaching like hip hop classes there from my dance background. Then on the weekends, I started working at a local running store, a extra money, B getting free shoes because I couldn't afford it. And I, um, it wasn't too long after I started there, this other guy started there and I had just heard, uh, about the concept of an ultra marathon. And I brought it up one day and somebody was like, Oh my gosh, did you know this guy that just started working here? He's training for one. And I was like, what? And started talking to him about it. And he was like, Oh no, like if you can run a marathon, you can run a 50 K like th this is not that big of a jump. And I was like, eh, okay, maybe. And so we, we started running together and he decided to like, picked out a race for us and was like, I'm going to go do it too. And he invited all of these other like running friends too. And then last minute, um, like he <laughs> found out that nobody else was going. It turns out he had purposely not invited anybody else because he wanted to, uh, have some alone time with me because he was interested and long story short, uh, we are now married and on our second kid. So <laughs> My first ultra was a complete trick, but it also ended up <laughs> blossoming into the rest of my life. <laughs> and, and so that was that the shadow of the Giants 50K race? Was. Yeah. And so it was in Yosemite. I had never been to Yosemite. And like we did mm -hmm. the race. And then the next day we were like running up under waterfalls and like did half dome use to not need a permit and like did all this amazing stuff. And I was like, oh, you knew what you were doing, buddy. <laughs> okay, so word to all the single ultra runners out there, male or female, <laughs> Yosemite 50K, like put that on your list, I guess, right? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Great story. And I was just, uh, <laughs> just checking the, you know, the ultra sign up at the same time you, uh, you know, you were talking about that. And I mean, you came in 12th. So like, that's, uh, you know, a really solid uh, uh, result. I mean, first time out now, like you said, I mean, you'd been training with, um, you know, and doing marathons and all that. So like, did you feel like that wasn't that much more of a step up to get to that? I remember it was terrible because, um, the whole race was at like five or 6,000 feet and I did all my training at sea level. And I, like, I distinctly remember like having a lot of trouble and it was funny because, you know, not too long after that, we started training up in the like higher altitudes in the mountains where we now live, like five, I I mean, I routine, I live higher than that now, (laughs) but we ran it five years later. Um, just to go back. And I remember just thinking like, Oh my gosh, I remember the last night, like when I came here five years ago, I couldn't breathe going up the first hill. And now it like, it felt like nothing. So. Mm. (laughs) And what was the, like for you, the transition from the road to the trail in the sense that, um, and Jocelyn touched on this last week, I think was kind of like, Hey, like I can walk the Hills now and I can, you know, go to aid stations and eat more food and do all these things. Like how was that just more appealing to you being able to kind of like manage yourself during the race, uh, in a different way than you've maybe been experienced before? Uh, I think one thing was like the whole, like what I was talking about originally drew me to like doing marathons is I was just like, Oh, I don't like distances. So I won't be good at this and there'll be no pressure. But eventually after doing like five or six of them, like there started to be personal pressure of like wanting to get faster and faster. And I remember just like, switching over to new distances. It was like, every time I did any distance, that was such an accomplishment. There were no expectations Mm -hmm. at all. And that was like a really good reset for me. Just being like, Hey, as an adult, I'm going to enjoy running. Like I I don't want to get back to where I was before. So that's the only thing that I really remember uh, from that. Like, I don't think I really thought about, Oh, this is nicer that I can walk or whatever. I just, Mm -hmm. I was like, the, the whole vibe of it and just like doing, like just doing the best I can, like that felt good enough. Whereas maybe it started to not feel good enough in some of the other races. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, the same year you did your first hundred miler at Javelina. So that's <laughs> yeah. like quite the ramp, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was young. Like yeah. I remember too, like being, I mean, that shadow of the giants, we have a picture that we bought from the race. that's still on our refrigerator. And it's like, we are the only people in our twenties, like early twenties that were standing there. Um, and you know, it's, there's so many more people now, but it was like, you look at that picture and you're like, who are these people? And it was, I mean, for sure. Like there was nobody else really our age at that time. I mean, there, there were, but just like, spread out on the races in the country. So, um, I think that (laughs) we benefited from maybe we definitely both ramped up too quickly, but we were young. So we just kind of like bounced back from it. Like I definitely have noticed now my, I don't, I can't handle racing all the time the way that I used to. Um, but it was also just a thing where I 
got the bug. And it was like, as soon as I did the 50K, then Dom sent me a link for a 50 miler. And I was like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, you can do it. It's not that much further. I was like, all right. (laughs) And then I was training with him and a couple other people that were training for the um, Angeles Crest 100 that year. Um, And at some point they all were just like, you're doing all of our training and you're not signed up for a race. This is silly. Um, Like, you're in just as good a shape to do this as we are. Mm. I was like, Oh, you really think so? They're like, yes. Like we're planning on running a hundred. Why don't you? And so I did. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well, Mike, you just did the Havelina for the first time. And yeah, uh, definitely a runnable, very runnable course, uh, fast and quick and a lot of, uh, a lot of turnover more than I like. Okay. I like, I like a little more hill in my race. There's way too much running involved in that race. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, be, and, and so from there, I mean, yeah, like a lot of a lot of other races that um, you know that we're familiar with, like Rocky Raccoon. Mike, you did that one as well. Miwok, um, and just a good mix of like you know, it looks like 50ks, 100ks, 50 milers, and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then Angeles Crest, like uh, you did do that one also, um, two years later, I guess in 2011, got fourth place in that one. Um, and then that actually turns out to be held like in your eventual town that you now live in. And so was that your first in 2011? Like that was the first time you were exposed to the area that you now live in? Um, no, I, I was, I had started doing some training up there in 2010 when, um, so in 2009, when I ran Havelina, it was canceled for the station fire, the one that burned like a third of the forest. Um, and so it all, all the people that were going to do that race, like it rolled over to the next year. And one of them was dominant, my husband. And so we were still like running together and dating by that point. And my other two friends that I had been training with were also training for the race. So I was kind of introduced to running up there just with training or running up here where I am now, um, training with them. And so, I mean, immediately I was like, yeah, that I, I want to do this race. And I, even though my first couple races were a little bit like flatter and stuff, I, I figured out really quickly that I much preferred, um, more mountainous races. And so that, that really drew me as well. I just felt like I was stronger when there were, were hills involved and, uh, figured out too with the training that I actually like did pretty well at the higher altitudes, which I was surprised. I mean, I lived at sea level my whole life, but I was like, Oh, I actually like have some lung capacity for this. Like I, I'm better at this. So maybe I'll just stay up here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I always wanted to do it. And then back then, I mean, now it's harder to get into, but I, I remember I waited um, I was still broke at that time. So I waited until my birthday was in March and I asked my parents just to give me a check for, <laughs> for my birthday so that I could register for the race. And it like now, I mean, it's a lottery and it, you know, as many races have evolved, but mm. yeah, I signed up the very next year. It was like, I want to do this too. So <laughs> Cool. And can you describe what that race is like? Um, I mean, I've heard it kind of described as an incredibly difficult hundred miler. I mean, it, it sounds like, um, and what was the experience like for you in the first time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those where like on paper, it looks like, you know, there's other races that are harder, but, um, <laughs> it's, it packs a couple of pun- Like you, you start 
the first 25 miles would be like an absolutely brutal, brutal marathon. And it's all at altitude. Um, and so then you're kind of beat up from the altitude and then it gets really, really freaking hot, like really hot. And you're going through much like Western States, you're going through the Canyon part and then the part that burned in the station fire. So it's all exposed. So then you're just beating yourself up in the sun all day. And then at the end, you know, usually the last 20 miles of races start to give you a break or especially if you've been up in the high country, you're kind of going downhill. So you're getting a break from all the climbing at not at, <laughs> not at AC at mile 75, you still have like 6,000 ish. I give or take, I haven't looked at the number. It's been since it was canceled last year. I'm used to looking at the numbers all the time, but mm. you have all this climbing, like the most monster climb of the course right at mile 75. So it just, and then plus that, that area was damaged by the fire too. So it's really just rocky and the footing is awful. Like people are like, Oh, I got to, I get to mile the, the second to last aid station. It's all downhill from here is awful, awful footing <laughs> trying to go down. So it just, it never quits. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's very difficult. Um, my first experience was not so great. Um, I went into the race super injured, but not knowing exactly what was wrong with me and come to find out, like I had, um, some people heard this story. I've, I fell into a yucca plant and some of the barbs had broken off in my knee. Oh, but they weren't being shown in the imaging because it was, um, organic material. And then all this scar tissue had formed around it. And so it took like nine months of me just like running with like needles in my knee. And I did, I did AC like with it and it, I was fine for like the first half. And then it was just like, I was having to walk the downhills and I was like, all right, I got to get this figured out. And a month later they did exploratory surgery and we're like, there were two like third of an inch barbs in there. I was like, I told you guys something was in my knee. (laughs) So my first AC is not fair because I was running with needles in my knee. Uh, (laughs) We'll give you a pass on that one. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I've done it a few other times as well. I've DNF'd a couple of times and I've finished a few other times and it's still, it's like, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I've never, for as much as I train up here, I still have not had a good race there. Um, and you're now the assistant, you and Dominic are the assistant RDs there. Is that right? Yeah. So we, um, got involved like a few years ago. And so there, there's quite a few assistant RDs, but we're, we mainly handle like, obviously all the Wrightwood coordination since we're here. And then when, um, the co-RD Hal passed away a few years ago, we started, uh, we took over all of the like training runs and stuff. Um, like we don't have like an official camp, like Western States does, but, we put together some like training weekends and stuff that are free that people can just come out. We mark the course and do little aid stations and stuff and try to keep track of everybody. So we took over that portion and then, yeah, just help with any other logistics that, that we can. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we've talked to several guests over the many months and, and just hearing about their volunteer volunteering aspects of what they do in addition to the racing and, and it does seem to kind of form like a nice 
uh, complete picture for people, you know, because they love giving back. They love getting inspired by seeing the people in the race and then, you know, racing themselves. So hopefully that's something that you both have, you know, benefited from as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we love the race so much. We live on the course now. <laughs> like we like literally we live on the course and wow. um, yeah, it's just been such a huge part of our lives. And we know like there's challenges every year with um, new wilderness designations and whatnot. And like being kicked off of parts of the course, like we, there's now over 10 miles of pavement where we have to run on the highway. Um, so we've even started my husband and I and two other runners who are lawyers started a nonprofit um, and got one of the one of the runners works at a law firm that has been working pro bono where we're trying to work with our Congress people to like just get off the highway and help like help them understand that we're not a detriment. Like we we do volunteer trail work. We we have conversation or uh, conservation at our heart as well. Like we all want the same thing. So it shouldn't just be this blanket statement of continuing to kick us out. Cause there's one more area, like the, the highest point of the course, we found out that that was up for possibly being designated wilderness. Or like, if that, if we can no longer be there, that's the end of the race. Um, yeah. we just, we don't want to see that happen. And how, who passed away, like fought, <laughs> his whole life for it. Like he, you know, the 33 years that he was a co-RD and we just didn't want to see it go by the wayside because he was also a volunteer uh, with the forest service. So he had all the connections and, and whatnot. And we were just like, Oh gosh, like losing him is going to be a huge blow to the race. And we don't want to see it go away. Cause it's one of the original five hundreds in the country. Like mm. it's, it's a historic race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just trying to get people to understand that. And then you've got to deal with the federal agencies and maybe the state and all these different other types of you know permits and licensing and all that. Yeah. It gets complicated like really yeah. quickly. Even, uh, even like locally, just like getting used to the community building and stuff. Like it's, I have had to go like talk to the the board and whatnot. I felt like I was in like a real life parks and rec. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. like, go and talk to them about the trail work that we do and like what the race does for the community. And mm. yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's made me really appreciate like what all the RDs, like the challenges that they go through to put these races on and right. <laughs> what a miracle it is sometimes that the races actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, especially with these, these large, like these races encompass such a large area you know, it's a different thing if you're running a 5k downtown somewhere and, you know, just around some city streets, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got this huge area, these things encompass. So it, it just gets so complicated. Um, but you're obviously physically well positioned because you live on the course, as you say, and can you talk a little bit about your transition from where you and your family lived before and you kind of like moved to the mountains and this is like, you know, this is part of, this is like, really meshed with your life like this is this is very very much part of your life now where you live and and what that whole transition was like yeah I mean I think so we lived in like Santa Monica area in Los Angeles and I mean as everyone knows it's very expensive there and like we had good jobs and we were you know I I've mentioned a couple times of being broke when I first moved there but we had worked our way up to we had a small apartment that we shared and I 
biked to work every day. We had the Santa Monica mountains really close to where we were. Like we were making it work and it was fine and we were saving money. And before we were even engaged, we, we started talking about just like what we wanted ultimately. Cause I think at that point we, we kind of knew we were going to stick together and it just became very apparent. We started looking into like pooling our resources and buying a condo or something in LA. And we were just like, this is what it costs for that. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so we, at that point, we actually decided to buy a cabin up here in Wrightwood because we were, um, we were basically every single weekend on Friday after we got off work, we would go up to the mountains and we would camp and train all weekend. And for years we had been doing that. Um, cause this was around like 2014 and we, I mean, we'd been doing that for four or five years already. And it was Dom's idea. He was like, you know, what if we just like bought a cabin there and just continued renting here until, you know, we get married and want to have kids and then we can bring it up again. And, um, it was just like a good thing for us to do. Like the pricing was right and it made sense to have something. And we just were like, we want to buy for where we eventually want to be. We don't want to buy for where we're only here because of our jobs at this point. So we did that and it was great. And we would come up every weekend. And at that point, like most of our friends, we were all like not married yet. And none of us had kids. And it was like, you know, bachelor weekend every weekend of just like running and then having beers and training our butts off. It was, it was the dream. Um, but <laughs> eventually then like we got married and it was really when we started talking about like when we were going to have kids and stuff, it just, it became really apparent that, um, we were already kind of stretched to our max with the way that we were living as far as like, um, my husband works in aerospace. Um, as an engineer. So he has a serious job that takes up a lot of his time. I worked in advertising, um, which was nuts. Like, I mean, I worked crazy hours and we were still getting all the running in, but we were like, okay, but if you add a kid to this, when do we see the kid? Like, I, I'm not going to go through like birthing a child if I can't hang out with it. <laughs> and I realized like probably the thing that was going to have to give would be my running. And there's no way that I was willing to do that. So we had already started talking about how I was ultimately always willing to go back to like freelancing and working part-time, which we knew we could make work if we moved to a more affordable area. and my husband started just like Google mapping, like if aerospace jobs existed anywhere close to the mountains and realized, oh, like all the R and D happens on the other side of the mountain range out in the desert where there's nothing. Um, and <laughs> found a job, applied for it. It didn't think he'd get it. And within a week he was calling me to be like, I think I'm going to get this job and we may need to move in a month. Are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And then we never looked back and we just moved and here we are. <laughs> wow. So awesome. And yeah. And then it just, it fits your lifestyle, you know? So you've got the lifestyle, you've got the, you know, you still can make like, you know, the living that you want and all, but live in a place that fits in with exactly. what you like to do. Yep. And that's exactly what we've been doing. He has a full time, obviously he's working from home right now, but he, you know, goes down to the desert and back for, for work. I, work from home on a contract basis now and we get to spend so much time with our kid and now like I don't think there's any way we would have had a second kid if we were living the way we were and then 
we still get to run and train and yeah, it's, I just, I can't imagine what our life would be like or how much more of a stressed out person I would probably be if we had tried to like do all of it. And it's not to say that people don't make it work, but we, and we just like, weren't even really very happy living where we were living anymore. It was like, it wasn't terrible. And we were grateful that we had made it work and we had great work opportunities, but it just, it didn't fit the lifestyle that we wanted to, to lead ultimately. So, <laughs> and it's so quiet here. It's so freaking quiet. Yeah, you got to love that at a certain point in your life, you know, just being yeah. kind of up in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> I say it all the time. Like it's, it's like deafeningly quiet sometimes. Right. right. No, not, not bad. And just being able to step out your door and go, you know, wherever you want trail wise. I mean, that's yeah. Great. Yeah. The, the trail like literally starts at our driveway. Like we, the, the court, the Angeles crest course, like comes up our road and then where you hit the dirt is our driveway. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's one of my favorite trails. Like I had always said, like of all the places I'd run, this is one of my very favorite trails to run. It's, it's wonderful. And that like, now I can do it every day if I want. Oh, amazing. <laughs> So you mentioned, you know, uh, children, um, I think I mentioned in the intro, you know, you're 30 to 31 weeks pregnant right now. Um, you're expecting a, a girl you told us, um, yeah. so congratulations, uh, your second and, um, you know, obviously lots of life balance going on. Um, it sounds like you, you do have a routine down now. Um, and with, you know, this upcoming birth, um, we already, uh, based on your Facebook, uh, we know that you've gotten into hard rock for 2021. Is that uh, no, no, my husband did. Oh, he did. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. My apologies. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So, but you're going, yeah. So the family's going to hard rock. Anyway. Going out. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even, it's the first time in 10 years that I didn't put my name in because oh, okay. I, gotcha. it would only be four months after I gave birth and yeah. I, I've been injured since the first one anyway. And yeah, I wasn't, that's just, especially since I've already completed hard rock, I know what it takes. And I'm sure like, this is not to say that somebody else couldn't do it, but I know for me, that would not be the right thing (laughs) to do at all. (laughs) But after the, and, and so, but after the birth, like, um, you, it sounded like you, you are going to have a a sort of like a plan, a journey back to, you know, the, um, the level of racing that you wanted to get to. Yeah. I mean, I got, so my first pregnancy, I, at the end of the second trimester, yeah. end of the second trimester, I started experiencing some really, really, really bad pelvic pain and it persisted through the rest of the pregnancy. And then it actually got worse after the birth. Um, and it, took, um, it took me about eight months to finally find, like find someone who would even like acknowledge that I had a problem. Um, (laughs) as we know, like, uh, postpartum care in this country is not so great. (laughs) Um, I won't go on a soapbox about that. You can check out my Instagram. I go on a soapbox every now and again. Um, but it's not standard care. Like it's like, okay, well, you're healing okay and the baby's fine and you're not sick, you're good. And I'm like, but I'm not good. I can't walk. And they're like, eh, like contact your GP. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, uh, long story short, I found a really good pelvic floor specialist that had experience with 
athletes um, and started uh, driving a couple hours <laughs> to get to her and paying out of pocket. But um, I started working with her and started really like making improvements. It wasn't going as quickly as I liked, of course, but um, I definitely felt like at the beginning of this year before COVID happened, I was starting to feel like, oh, I think I'm going to actually be able to like race again by this summer or fall. I feel like I'm getting stronger. I was starting to run without pain. I was starting to be able to run longer. And then I got pregnant again and it all has come crashing back down on me again. Like I have not run in months. I, I physically can't do it. Um, any sort of jarring activity. I just feel like I'm about to fall over. It's, it's pretty painful, but this time I already have access to the doctor. I found the doctor. There will be no eight month process. Like I already know who I need to work with and what I need to do. Um, so I'm really much more optimistic this time that I'm going to heal quicker. And hopefully I've taken this year kind of off the table racing wise. Like if I decide at the end of the year, fine, but otherwise I'm right now at this point, looking forward to 2022. And what will your process be at that point? Like, do you see yourself going into, you know, 50 K's and sort of building up that way, or are you going to just try to train up to longer distances right off the bat or what's your process? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think for sure. Um, I, after the birth, I, I would anticipate that I probably won't be running or training for five or six months. I will mostly be doing strength work and trying to get myself back to like stability and balance on both sides because that's it's the left side of my body I say all the time I'm like it's kind of a curse that the right side feels so good because I I experience what pregnancy could be if everything felt like the right side of my body and then I have the left side that just hurts and is awful um so I know I need to get I need to not push it the way that I did the last time so my kind of bigger plan is really to just focus on strength for at least the first four months, maybe up to six and getting back to just like short runs with no pain. And at that point, I think I'll make a decision on what, what I want to want to pursue. Um, I'm sure I'll, it'll still be trails. I have no desire to go back to, to running on the roads, but yeah, I don't know if it's like, oh, I'm going to do a trail half marathon or something, or if I'm going to say, yeah, I want to try to run a 50k. I have no idea because I don't. I the last time I signed up for for races to have them on the calendar, and that ended up just crushing me because when they they came and then I couldn't, I was like really really sad for a few days. So I think this time I'm just going to wait and see how I feel and what happens before I sign up for anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you haven't worked with a coach, I don't think in the past. Is that right? No, I I had thought about it multiple times, but I ended up, I don't know, just with Domini's background, we were able to like put training plans together that seemed to be working. Mm. It's something I've definitely considered. Um, like maybe that would be helpful for me on the other side of this, especially maybe working with another woman who's come back from postpartum injuries or just come back from having kids. Like, um, I don't know it, it that's on the table. If I, if I think that it's something that I need. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good just to have your options open and and just sort of try to figure out like what's the best path back and yeah, you know, whether it's like 
consulting with somebody or using, you know, having them, you know, on a more frequent basis as you're kind of, you know, going through that comeback journey. Um, yeah. Well, definitely. Uh, I mean, so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, just based on your, your past races and talking to you, like you've got the mindset for it, <laughs> you know, that you, you seem driven. Uh, so I, I have no doubt that you'll, you'll get that path and be on that path and get right back to it. So, so that's great. Um, yeah. So, uh, beyond that, I mean, uh, you know, you have had, um, you know, some other kinds of things going on during the pregnancy, um, you know, just looking at your Instagram and, um, you know, Facebook and all that. I mean, you know, you, you are public, you, you know, you post pictures of you, you still doing activities out there. And, and like you said, I mean, jarring is very, um, difficult right now. So there, there is the option of going out and doing things without impact, like skiing. And I did see recently that, you know, you had posted some, um, pictures of you out, uh, skiing. Um, and it sounds like people, are unfortunately this is our, the, the the world we live in um they they really don't have any uh qualms about commenting on people and what they're doing and what they think they should be doing and all of that and can you talk a little bit about what it's been like for you as kind of a a well-known athlete in the public eye you're sharing things about what you're doing in your life and then the pregnancy comes and now people are kind of like hey what are you doing out there you know what, what's that been like for you yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I I once saw something where, uh, like a tweet or something that someone shared that it was like, it's interesting how when women become pregnant, their bodies become property of society. And I thought that that was like a really good way to put it, that it's just, um, I try to remember a lot of times when people are commenting or saying something to me, it's like, they really they feel like it's their moral duty to tell me like to make sure that the baby's okay and that I'm okay. Um, and so I, I try not to take too much offense to it, but there's just a lot of like lack of education of how maybe recommendations have changed over the years. Like I I've cited like even just coffee, like doctors now record, they're like, Oh, are you having headaches? You know, you don't need to cut out coffee. You can have like a cup a day, um, stuff like that. And I didn't even know that until my OB told me that in my first pregnancy, I was like, Oh, I thought we weren't supposed to have coffee. Like I didn't even know that. And so it's been like, I'm really passionate about educating myself of like, what's okay and what's not okay. And, um, so it's, it's also a little insulting to me when people like reach out and say something to me, like that, maybe I don't like, they would think that I wouldn't have like looked into it <laughs> myself. And as far as like, the skiing's gone. Like I, I have gotten comments <laughs> in both pregnant. I, I skied through my first pregnancy as well. And it's, um, I want to be clear. It's not like I'm not out going over like bumps and going down like icy black diamonds. Um, I also don't go to the resorts if they're crowded, especially not now in COVID, but like our local ski hill gets really crowded on the weekends. And during the weekday, if you go in the morning, there's like nobody there. So I'll do that. Or I'm mostly just doing ski touring, um, in our Canyon, which is basically just hiking on skis with skins. Um, and it's really nice cause it's low impact for me. It's a killer workout. So I feel like I'm still getting some exercise in and it's really fun. Um, so I'm like, I'm definitely like taking precautions. I'm not skiing the way that I would if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't pregnant. And so, um, I don't know. I, I've had, I've actually since, even since 
I guess I was like mad that day and it was just like, I don't care what anybody says. And I've had more people reach out now being like, no, like good for you. Like I did too. I was just afraid to like ever say anything because everybody just wants to attack you. Cause I mean, the doctors say that too, like no, no skiing. I recently on my like post, um, post appointment report, it said, don't exercise over 6,000 feet. And I live at 6,200 feet. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> um, okay. Like I clearly this does not apply to everyone. It would, if you don't exercise and you live at sea level, like this, this doesn't apply to me. I can sort through all of the information and make the best choices for me and my body. And I like, I don't know, that's just kind of what I always respond to, to anyone that wants to chime in with an opinion. I'm like, look, like I, I know what I'm doing. And I like, I, I want the best thing for my body and for my baby too. Like I, I really do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the assumption that you're being reckless, I mean, it's, it's kind of like an arrogant <laughs> type of type of response. I would think, I mean, obviously you don't want to cause any issues. Um, so I don't know why people don't, don't just figure that out. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny though, cause on the other side of it, you have like, you know, I've had this injury and I'm able to exercise less than I was. And then it's like, oh, well, the way to like still be running through your whole pregnancy or to come back really quick is if you just work really hard. So it's like this double message of like, oh, you're not working hard enough, but also you're being dangerous. And I'm like, well, which is it? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, make up your mind. <laughs> Such, such as the curse of social media, exactly. everybody, everybody like on every, every possible opinion is out there and <laughs> none of them are probably going to apply to what your situation is only you, right? Like, no, you know, you're, you know, your body, you know, everything about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm sure it's tough. I mean, and especially if you are, you know, well-known and, and you're putting stuff out there and you just want to kind of show people like, Hey, I'm doing this fun thing. And then boom, you get attacked. I mean, that's, that's a tough uh, situation to be in. I'm, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, one of the things then um, you know, we're also interested in often when we're talking to people that have been out there, they're experienced um, you know, they've, they've been in lots of different types of race situations and, um, you know, had lots of different tough races that they've done is, is just for anybody that, that might be out there and is kind of like getting into trail running, racing longer distances, that sort of thing. Are there different types of pieces of advice that you, that you offer to people, you know, if you've, if you found somebody that's just getting started? Um, I mean, the one thing I always like try to impart upon people is that when you first get into it, you're going to get that bug and you're going to train really hard and you're probably going to over race and you're going to have a lot of early success um, because you haven't beat yourself up enough yet to like start having the injuries or just start having the fatigue and like, that's all well and good. But like when you start to recognize it, like just realize like you need to back it up and you need to uh, consider the larger part of your life into uh, like factor that into your training. I think um, my husband and I both suffered from this as we're like, well, we're not like we have full-time jobs and whatnot, but we want to train like the people that were professional runners that that was their full-time job. And we're like, well, if we just work hard enough, then 
we'll be able to race like them and we can do the same kind of training as they're doing and just didn't factor in like sleep and recovery and all that. And so it caught up with us. Like we both about three years into it, just like had horrible, (laughs) horrible overtraining problems. And so I, and people were kind of telling us too, but we didn't want to believe it. And we just like pushed a little too far and then luckily figured it out and we're able to recover and have been, have been good since, but that's, so it's not when people are first getting into it. It's like after they've been into it for a couple of years, like, Hey, maybe like ease off the pedal a little bit. Maybe like don't do a race every month. Cause it, it's, you're about at that point where it's going to start biting you in the butt. And I can speak from experience, like just take a step back, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The excitement factor is definitely there. I mean, I think I, I came into um, trail running and ultra racing very late in, you know, my late forties and uh, I've only been doing it for a few years. And I, I think Mike can attest to the number of races I did the first year <laughs> because I was, I was also coming from a bike racing background where you can literally race like two times in a weekend and recover and yeah. then do it again and again and again. And, but it's not the same with, with yeah. uh, trail running. I mean, at all, your body just gets beat up. Yeah. And on top of that, I was also, I mean, Strava wasn't a thing when I first, Mm. it was still just like, I ran with a bunch of guys that were faster than me. And I was still just every day I was going out and being like, how fast can I run this? Like, I wasn't like, so it wasn't even just the racing. It was like the whole like euphoria of like, can I climb this mountain a little bit faster? And there's nothing wrong with that excitement, but it just, I didn't, um, temper it quick enough. <laughs> yeah. I wish I, I wish I would have paid attention a little bit more and listened to the advice people were giving me. I think I lost probably a good nine or 10 months of like racing and like, just feeling good and more than that. Just like, I remember feeling like crap every single run for <laughs> months. And it's like, I could have had that time in my life back if I just would have listened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, everybody kind of has their own path as they get into it, but uh, hopefully they'll hear some words of wisdom here and <laughs> somebody out there will take that advice and uh, maybe figure it out for themselves as well. Uh, so as we kind of are going to transition here into some Q and a, oh, one last thing I wanted to ask you is sort of what, what do you see like the next few years looking like? I mean, you're going to have um, two, two young children. You're going to be, um, you know, <laughs> going back, you know, at, at the highest levels, I'm guessing moving back into that, um, racing, um, process uh, and that journey back to that, like where, where do you see that in the next few years, how things are going to unravel? Yeah. You know, I'm trying, I'm not trying not to put an exact timeline on it because I was so, um, sad is the best way to say of like what my recovery was like after the first pregnancy, like with the injury and stuff. So I, I mean, definitely for the, for the rest of this year, my, my goal is hopefully have a good birth, not another emergency C-section. Like that would be great. Um, and then focus on strength and recovery and just like getting back to not having daily pain. Um, like I was starting to get to that point where I was finally having a few days where I wasn't just in constant pain, like not even just running, like I've been in pain for three years. So that's like step one. I think that's my goal for this year. And then hopefully next year, um, you know, getting back to, to racing in some form, if I can, um, more than even the racing, just like being able to run long distances again, I, I have missed being away from it for this long. The thing I missed most was just like 
really long all day adventure runs in the mountains with my husband or with my friends. And it's like, I'm not missing out on that because I have a kid. I'm missing out on it because I physically couldn't do it anymore. And that is a very humbling experience when it was like for over a decade of my life at any given point, if somebody was like, you want to go run 20 miles, I could just like do it even if I was tired. And so I really miss just being able to like do that kind of stuff. So if that's all I got back to doing in 2022, I would be really happy, but I'm optimistic that with having the resources, um, as far as like my pelvic doctor and just like more patience as well. I, I wasn't patient the first time I kept trying to kind of force it thinking that maybe it was in my head. Um, and that I wasn't in as much pain as I thought. I think I'm better equipped this time to just like take my time getting back. And then I, you know, I've, I've struggled with a few times, like wondering, like, are my best years behind me? Like, am I never going to be as fast as I was? Like these goals I had, um, you know, I've never run sub 24 at Angels Press. That's a huge goal. I really want to go back to hard rock again some year and run faster. I think that I could, um, and so I, I struggle to think about that, but I also know that I, I know plenty of people who've been through devastating injuries, like whether they're childbirth related or other that have come back stronger. I, in my twenties was getting my butt kicked by women in their forties who had two, three, four, five kids and like, didn't even start running until they were 40 years old. Um, that were just absolutely crushing me. And so I feel like even if I have to start over, um, maybe that's still an opportunity for me. Um, maybe that's still open to me. Um, and then, yeah, I would like to get into like schema racing as well. Now that that's become a new passion from where we live. Um, so even if, even if I can't ever be as competitive as I once was while running, like maybe just new sports will inspire me, but I don't know. I got to believe that I still have some good years in my forties left. Uh, <laughs> I oh. think that's the, the carrot that's pulling me along. So I just got to believe that's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I have no doubt. <laughs> it sounds like you got the right mindset for it. Um, and, and, and who knows, maybe taking that extended break. Yeah. Just kind of like launches you into something that you just never could have imagined. I mean, that's, uh, that's a real possibility, I think. And yeah. I'm sure we're all going to pull for you. I will say the fire is definitely there. Like sometimes I just like look at old pictures and I'm like, ah, I I remember, like I can almost smell the picture. I I distinctly remember everything about the day or the race. And I'm just like, "Ah, I want to feel like that again. Yeah, (laughs) that's a big driver for sure. So we'll definitely be, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on you because I know you're going to get there. (laughs) So, um, well, Jessica, I think we've got a few questions. We sure do. We have um, Jack Meyer on Facebook. He is talking about the difference between AC 100 and Western States 100. And he said, wouldn't you agree that running from mile 75 to the finish at AC 100 is like getting to Forest Hill during Western States and then running back to last chance at at altitude? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... So I, when I ran Western States, I was kind of just right on the 24 hour bubble the whole time. And I was actually at Greengate. I was behind pace, like by like 10 minutes and I ended up still finishing sub 24. Um, 
by contrast, I was at that same point. I've been at that same point in the race, like mileage wise at AC at the same time, um, like two times and had finished in like 25, 26 hours. Like, it's just like, I should have enough time and it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not possible. And I, I knew at that point, I was like, oh, it's not just about, can I run 20 miles in X time? It's like, no, this isn't going to happen because I know what I have to do to get there. Um, yeah, the, the end of AC, I think is one of the hardest ends to any hundred that at least I've ever run. <laughs> wow. And then also David in the chat was talking about a race too. He was wondering your experience at Zane Gray in 2013. <laughs> on his list um I loved the race I thought it was awesome the course was just like it's so unique there um I've gone back to that area just to go for fun runs um I did not have a good race uh that was when I was kind of going into my overtraining situation that was actually the only race I finished that year because I just decided to walk it in because I had like 11 miles left and I wanted to finish something but I I couldn't give an honest <laughs> opinion because I was, I was dead man walking going into the race, <laughs> but the, it was very cool. It's just a cool area of the country. So recommend. <laughs> recommend. Not the best day. <laughs> um, and then Clint was wondering, he said, keep it real. How do you, when you're in a training block, how do you split the parenting time? Walk us through it. I, I don't really know yet because I have never not been training for a race since we had a kid because I was injured. Um, so we, one, one really good thing, we were set up for what our plan was going to be. Um, we talked about it while I was still pregnant about like how we were going to manage working childcare, both of us training for races. And one thing that we set up is, um, not training for a race in like the same month. Um, cause we knew it's not the race itself. It's more like that month that you're really like in it, that is right before your taper where you're hitting your highest mileage and you're just like, need to be in that. I, I was like, that is where I don't ever want us to both have like an A goal going on at that time. Because we, before kids, we knew that was the time that we had the most like arguments and fights. And it was really this thing, like we were just living so like extreme with like work and sleeping and things being out of balance that we wanted so badly for the other person to just like do shit for us. <laughs> like <and> not, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to cook. Like, I just want you to take care of me because I am so tired and I'm working so hard. And so we knew adding kids to the mix, like that was going to be terrible. So that's our that's definitely our plan moving forward is to try to stagger our like important races, um, like our big summer hundreds, not doing them around the same time. And um, yeah. And just, I don't know, like we'll end up, one of us will have to take mornings. One will have to take afternoons. I finally, when I was starting to get back back in better shape um, realized I needed help. And so I started taking our daughter to, to daycare a couple times just so that I could go for a run and get my stuff together on top of, of working and doing everything. Cause we don't, we don't have any family up here. We don't have any help. And I realized if I live near family. I would be relying on them a little bit more to like watch 
the kids every now and again. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta pay somebody to help me. Cause I gotta, once the running, I was doing it fine until I started being in better shape and feeling like I wanted to start and build. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So we, the two of us can't do this alone. We're going to have to have some help. Um, so I don't know, it'll be interesting, you know, this year, Dom definitely has big races. I'm really excited to support, but moving forward that the next year, I'm sure well, this is all pie in the sky of how we plan to work through it. But once we get in it, like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and it might even be nice to coordinate your off seasons together or, you know, whatever that is. So it's like race, race, and then chill family time. And now it sounds like you've had the good, important foundational conversations. Like we know we both can't do this, so we're going to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So- Maybe the aid stations are so cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. The first if people, anyone that was at AC that year uh, knows the first time Dom tried to run AC only two and a half weeks after our first one was born. Like after not sleeping, whatever, like it did not go well, but he was like crying, leaving the aid station. He's like, I couldn't believe how like emotional Mm-hmm. the whole thing was for me like people are like he was bawling leaving the aid station he was like yeah I was just like it was such an emotional thing and seeing this tiny little two-week-old baby like yeah <laughs> I'm was- not a super emotional person when it <laughs> comes to um leaving my children I'm happy to always leave them but I made <laughs> one time of running a race on my third born's second birthday and he cried so hard oh, no. when I was leaving. I found out I was pregnant with my fourth after that race. So I'm just a mess. Every climb, I'm like, I'm leaving my baby on his birthday. But no. yeah, so don't, that's my hot tip. Don't do a race if it's on your kid's birthday. Well, that, that can't happen because Lindy, our first, was born um, in 2018, the day before Hard Rock. So there's always a chance. That, like she has already spent both of her birthdays in Silverton. She will be spending her birthday in Silverton next year. Oh my goodness. So, sorry. If it's, if it's on Hard Rock and I get in, mama's got to run. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, she's getting a vacation. So you know, she's fine. She's actually already, so she did, they do like a kid's run called the hard block. And so she did it two years ago. They still like had, uh, when it was canceled for the avalanche, we still had, there was like a little camp hard rock and they still had a kid's run and stuff. And she still talks about how she got a medal and she was only a year old. And so now we told her that we're going back and daddy's going to do it. And she's going to do her race too, so that she has to train for it. And she keeps saying, And I get metal. I get metal. Like she's so Heck yeah. up for this little plastic metal that Dale gave her. Like she, it's on display in her room and she shows it to people and they come to her house. <laughs> like, I get it. I guess you have a competitive streak, honey. <laughs> like, awesome. That's all. So yes, yeah, so training too. <laughs> That's amazing. They're young, they don't know any different. Um, <laughs> That's all my questions from the chat. Now I have a real quick, kind of fun, rapid fire question. So first thing that comes to your mind, real quick, five questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Uh, Road or trail? Trail. Bucket list race. Uh, um, I want to do UTMB someday. Uh, Your favorite fuel? 
Uh, I like the V Fuel gels, particularly the peach cobbler. <laughs> Yum. Um, favorite post race meal? Um, I love grilled cheese. Um, if bacon is available to put on the grilled cheese, great. And definitely a beer. <laughs> there you go. Beer's always added. I always ask for food and people always add beer. It's a good choice. <laughs> it, cut, it cuts the sugar. Like yeah. that, that's why I'm so over sugared. I just want. It's so true. I want cheese it's, and beer. <laughs> gut moving around. I mean, it's all good. Yes. <laughs> and then the last one, cats or dogs? Uh, I like dogs. I don't have any, but maybe I will have a dog someday. I have dogs and cats, so I'm team both. I'm actually a team rabbit. I really like my pet rabbit, but <laughs> that was a big one. Thank you so much. How fun. And I don't think my cats have made an appearance. Oh, wait, is that one in the corner there? Uh, anyone on audio won't be able to see him, but he's there, I think. So <laughs> he's just chilling out on the couch. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much, Katie. We really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight and just talking about all these different topics. Um, you know, I think it's really great also to hear like the whole life balance thing. I mean, I think that's really important for a lot of people that um, that like to watch and, and listen to our, our podcast um, that are just trying to figure this whole thing out. And because I mean, this does take a lot of time out of your life and there's work and there's family and all those things. So appreciate all the, uh, the advice and uh, input on that. Um, so thanks everybody for joining again. Um, if you uh, want to, please go visit our Facebook page, The Mile 99 Interview. And we're also on Instagram at The Mile 99 Interview. So follow us there. We love to uh, post and uh, get everybody involved with what we're doing. Uh, if you are so inclined, please visit our website as well, themile99interview.com. And we've got a podcast review link up there. We would love to have some reviews on the podcast on Apple and uh, also stay tuned for all of our future um, episodes. Uh, we are going to be having another live uh, Zoom interview this coming Sunday at four o'clock Pacific time. It's going to be a closure of the arc that we've had with our um, friend Rebecca Sperry out in New Hampshire. She's a a hiker that's been working on some pretty serious hiking goals out in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Um, and she unfortunately was sidelined temporarily with a breast cancer diagnosis back in August of 2020. We've been doing pre-recorded podcast episodes with her, and we're going to kind of wrap up that arc with a live Zoom interview with her. So uh, please join us for that. We're really looking forward to hearing uh, how things have been going. Um, she's already working on her Southern New Hampshire Red Line project. So she's she's really pushing hard and we, and we love to see her spirit. So um, yeah, I definitely want to check in with her and, and find out more. Uh, and then beyond that, obviously stay tuned to our Instagram and Facebook for all of the other upcoming um, episodes that we'll be, uh, that we'll be hosting. So thanks again. Uh, we really appreciate all the support and we will see you all on the trails. Have a great night. Bye-bye.